Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. This week's Deal of the Week was actually announced last week, so forgive me, please. But we haven't yet been able to get around to discussing it. And it's really worthwhile to discuss on this show because the implications of the deal far outweigh the deal itself, uh, at least potentially. And that's the type of acquisition we like to discuss here. So Cisco acquired AppDynamics for $3.7 billion. It's actually the biggest technology, media, or telecom deal to be announced all year, which shows you that we're sort of off to a slow start this year as companies try to get their hands around what to expect in a Trump administration, among other things. But it's the way this deal happened that's so unusual and perhaps telling for what to expect this year from so-called unicorn technology companies. Joining me to explain is Bloomberg IPO reporter and also my first name sharer, Alex Barinka, early in the morning in San Francisco. Hi, Alex. Hey there, Alex. Okay, so let's start simple, as we are wont to do here. What is AppDynamics, and why is it of interest to networking giant Cisco? So AppDynamics is uh, this company that basically makes software to help uh, developers. It's it's very it, it, that's a very kind of broad description because that's what a lot of these young tech companies are out here in SF. This unicorn class that's valued at bigger than a billion dollars privately. There's a lot of these enterprise companies that fit somewhere in within the stack, the cloud stack, helping technologists do their jobs better. But why it's so important to me is because it was supposed to be the first initial public offering of 2017 of any tech media or telecom company. And that has been ripped out of my hands at this point. Um, And right now, we have no other companies on the road. No one has gone. So uh, this was kind of the the, the trendsetter, the the first, first little company that folks were paying attention to when it comes to IPOs. And, you know, look, as I wrote in December, Silicon Valley really needs a good year for public listing. So, for this to kind of go sale is uh, is kind of telling uh, for what may, might be to come. So we'll, we'll get into this in just a second. Um, so this particular deal, Cisco buying AppDynamics, you know, may not be all that surprising to people in terms of what the companies do. Uh, Cisco is looking for companies that are very rich in data because they are sort of shifting their legacy networking business to artificial intelligence and machine learning and I've I've seen it before and heard people say that data is sort of the new oil for these technology companies. It makes these uh, you know large companies uh, sort of dependent on the data in order to monitor the performance of applications, and really that's what AppDynamics does. So it totally makes sense for Cisco to want to go after an AppDynamics, but we haven't seen this type of thing a lot because uh, in terms of uh, a, a large public company buying these private companies, unicorns, companies valued over a billion dollars, because the companies historically have tended to want to spin the wheel and IPO and see what their value is. Uh, and AppDynamics was well on their way to doing this, well and then at the way. very last second decided not to. Is this a trend, Alex? Why did we see this here? Why did they go so far? before deciding not to? And do you think we will see more of this? Look, so I, I think to, to take a step back for a second, the idea of a dual track process for a private company where it's exploring both a sale and an IPO, to be clear, that is typical. That happens a lot. 
for a sale to happen this close to listing day, this was a company that had, you know, was almost cash flow positive. They uh, were making good money. Um, they had partnerships with the likes of Cisco, which is how this relationship kind of came about. So they were in a good position to be a standalone, which is kind of the question that comes up, especially with a lot of these private enterprise tech companies. Are they just a product that belongs in a big suite or are they a standalone company? So this went all all the way down the line, they set terms, they went on the roadshow, and literally the day before this uh, IPO was supposed to price, that's when this deal happened. And look, I think that it really came down to um, kind of the relationship here and Cisco feeling like they couldn't live without it. As you said, you know, Cisco's the big networking gear company. AppDynamics helps uh, monitor all of this information that's moving around. When they started this partnership about half a year ago, apparently it baked became clear to Cisco that they couldn't live without what AppDynamics had. And, you know, and they they pulled the trigger. And a lot of these situations, um, even early on, earlier in the process than this AppDynamics deal, it does come down to valuation. And what we've seen post-2014, 2015, those years saw really inflated uh, valuations for private companies. And that's what's kept a lot of the strategics from getting involved in the M&A process. Managed um, doesn't think that you know acquirer X is paying up enough, but here Cisco came in at that 3.7 billion dollars, which was you know two billion dollars more than what the company was aiming for on the high end from a market value perspective. So how does that then work? Well, if Cisco's coming to the board, the investors, the board members who are big investors are looking at it. They're trying to figure out uh, if it's worthwhile for them. Can they grow into that 3.7 billion, or is it worth it to take their money and run right now. And in this case, it seemed like the sale, obviously, uh, was the end decision. So, you know, this is, um, it, it's indicative of what we expect to happen with a lot of these private companies, the the pursuit of both an IPO and a sale. But for it to happen this close to listing day is extremely unusual. And frankly, nobody who I spoke to, I spoke to, uh, you know, more than 10 people who are somehow involved with one of these companies and this deal. And none of them had a good example for me for something happening this close to listing day after the uh, the actual IPO roadshow had launched. So a little bit of inside baseball here. Alex and I actually reported this story simultaneously on airplanes going in opposite directions. She Super headed towards fun. San Francisco <laughs> and my plane coming to New York back from LA. I'm curious, Alex, from the people that are on the app dynamics side. So you mentioned Cisco obviously paid a big price for this well above what the company was looking to IPO with. Even on that, even if you throw in the first day bounce, you figure they would get nowhere near $3.7 billion right away. But technology has always stood out in the general industry, uh, you know, world of business, because all these tech companies sort of think they can be the next whatever. And then you know, you look across the board and you do see a lot of these tech IPOs over the past 10 years or so, where they have made it. Not a lot, but some, let's say, where they, you know, they, they become $10 billion, $100 billion, $300 billion, whatever companies. Obviously, we have not seen that recently, and we'll get into maybe a change in the tech industry in a second. But my first question for you simply is, if you are an AppDynamics app employee, or let's say you hold a lot of shares, are you at all a little bit disappointed that you didn't get to IPO? 50 AppDynamics, or roughly 50 AppDynamics employees apparently, were on a plane headed to New York to ring the bell for an exciting moment for their IPO. 
And sure, you know, they, they get rich off doing this, and maybe that's the answer is they're not disappointed. But you'd have to think that maybe there's some twinge of, like, what if? Like, we got so far down, and now we'll never know. Are they disappointed, or are they just really, really happy with the price? I think you have to separate those two groups of people. The employees, uh, I have sources who said developers, folks on the ground, did not know and are a bit disappointed. You know, you the Silicon Valley mindset, you want to work for the next big company who's doing something splashy. Um, that is something that a lot of these employees aspire to, and AppDynamics has been around uh, since t- t- 2008. So these folks have been, in theory, working for this company for a while. That's uh, set one. The other set of folks, the investors, when you're talking the Greylock partners, the Lightspeed Venture partners of the world, they who hold the shares, you know, for them, if they've been in for almost 10 years, you have to think at some point they want to see an exit. And if they're happy taking that check now, then they do take the money and run. So it is kind of a, a, a tale of, of two groups here. And, you know, frankly, I've spoken to AppDynamics CEO David Wanwani before, and he came from Adobe. He seemed jazzed to run a public company. Um, but again, you have to think about the fiduciary duty to the shareholders whether or not management's invested to run something for the long haul. And frankly, everyone has a price. And it seems like Cisco maybe uh, wrote theirs down on that check. Okay, Alex, so remind us of the coming technology companies that are set to go public so that investors can sort of keep in their mind the next ones to watch to see if this repeats itself. Alex, my list for you is fairly short. We have Snap, obviously, the the maker of Snapchat. This is the big deal that, you know, the filing's supposed to come at any time this week. Everyone's got their ears and eyes perked to see what happens. They are looking to go as soon as March, uh, raising as much as $4 billion at a market value of around 20 to $25 billion. So this is the big consumer tech IPO that we really haven't had in a long time. It's the last social media IPO since Twitter went public. So big, big deal here. When you start to kind of go down the chain, we've reported on a company called MuleSoft, another smaller enterprise tech company looking to go as soon as March. But there have been some bake-offs for the likes of Forescout, a a security company. Um, Blue Apron uh, took pitches from bankers, didn't pick anyone. Their financials weren't really there. That's the company that delivers these meal kits. The, The world is fairly small. And it does still seem like, you know, being on the ground here in San Francisco, Francisco this week, uh, folks are still kind of waiting to see what the markets look like. I can tell you from my conversation with sources, the buy side, public market investors were extremely, extremely jazzed to get into app dynamics. They were really excited. And you have to remember, these folks have not had the opportunity to invest in securities that basically are a little bit riskier but promise high growth. There haven't been a lot of tech IPOs, so investors have not been able to allocate to them. So the market seems to be there for them. But on the supply side, the company side, you know, there's just not a lot of people who are rushing to get out. Again, that could always change on a dime. There, There's a long list of companies that are on my radar that I keep paying attention to that in theory could go. The fundamentals are there. And, you know, talking to people post this app dynamics deal, there's a lot of questions that are going to board members, to advisors saying, look, this premium that app dynamics was able to get 
debt, could we get that? It, it helps on the public market valuation as well because you know you could you can make an argument saying, well, you know they were going out for probably a lower valuation than they could have gotten, and obviously it helps on the the sale valuation, the potential premium you could get um, from an acquirer. So there's a lot of moving parts going on right now, but a lot of us are still waiting for this rush of IPOs and a, frankly a rush of M and A that we've all been talking about since uh, since 2016, and we are still yet to see. What are some of the companies that are on the top of your list that have not said we're planning on going public but might? If you think about the the really good ones that are out there, um, you've got the likes of uh, Atanium. Atanium's a security company. Qualtrics, uh, Medallia, software maker that helps companies kind of respond to customer feedback, Marklogic, um, you know, Pluralsight. Frankly, these companies that uh, you and I probably haven't heard of unless you're doing our job and you're you're deep in the trenches in this world. It's a lot of enterprise tech companies. And these are all unicorns over a billion dollars? These are all unicorns over a billion dollars. Uh, Tenable also comes to mind. Obviously, everyone's watching SoFi if the lending space comes back. So, Again, a lot of names here, and and the theme. These are all basically one to five billion dollar range. You'll note that I'm not mentioning the Ubers, Airbnbs, Palantirs of the world. There's been some kind of changes beneath the surface. In if you're if you're like me and you like reading the tea leaves of what these executives talk about, it seems like these companies are at least considering going public. Whereas a year ago, it was no, no, no. Um, but not a lot of those names. Um, at the next big one down the chain is going to be uh, probably Spotify, which we've reported and it still stands. They're looking to go in the second half of this year. All right. So let's talk about uh, uh, the transformation of technology as an industry here, because one of the advisors uh, on this deal told me that what struck him is that technology is starting to look like many of the other industries in business, because tech used to be IPO or bust, and it isn't anymore. And Alex, you can help me here because what has changed, I think, is that there have been a whole number of tech IPOs that didn't actually do all that well. And that has changed the thinking among companies. And and obviously, you listed a bunch of the bigger ones there that have stayed private for a long time. But I'm curious if the thinking is still the same even among the smaller ones, which is sort of what he was hinting at. I mean, I'm thinking of sort of the, the, the consumer internet companies that class of technology company clearly has um, is in a different category now than it once was. I'm thinking of you know Zynga and Groupon and Twitter, a lot of sort of failed IPOs there, IPOs that did not take off from their initial listing price. I don't know as much about the enterprise software world, Alex, so that, that's I'm sort of relying on you here. Have there been some sort of IPO busts in this land, too, that are making companies decide to sell? Or is it that the appetite for these companies is just so great among the legacy tech providers that need new technology that it's not as much as though that the IPO process has gone bust, but more that there's great demand on the buy side? In the enterprise tech world, it's not that the IPOs have gone bust. It's that they've all gone out basically at valuations that are flat to down uh, from where they 
from where they raised in their last private round. So there's some uh, kind of enthusiasm damp- dampening and things like that going on. When I think back to last year's deals, you have uh, Pure Storage, which went out right around its value, its uh, last private round valuation. Um, it, it's it's easier to think of the ones that did really well, like Atlassian, which was this kind of uh, unicorn of unicorns, uh, basically bootstrapped company that makes tools that help developers code better. It's like a communication system on the back end. So, so for for the value for the going out bit, uh, that is what's kind of driving some of the concern. But frankly, I think it's a lot of it goes to this question that I mentioned earlier: uh, Is this going to be a product or is this going to be a business? Uh, if you're an enterprise tech company and you can't. Uh, very clearly point out and say, look, I'm going to be the next workday. I'm going to be the next Salesforce. If that kind of business path isn't there for you and you're not going to be this big hard hitter company, that's kind of the dream of the Silicon Valley ethos, right? To be those next big companies. If you don't think you can get there, you don't want to continue operating as kind of a small to mid cap size business. And, you know, the strategics who have been behind in a lot of these technologies and aren't as nimble, if there's a buyer, then then great. But the 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 chatter that I'm hearing a lot of are um, sometimes companies might have a fleeting thought of selling themselves, but the valuations that that strategics are willing to pay just aren't where they want them to be. So those are kind of the the dynamics that are are moving around right now, and and it's a lot more clear to judge success for enterprise tech companies, right? They have the the business model is more clear. You're either a a SaaS company, a software as a service. You have recurring revenue. You're selling tangible products. It's a lot more clear than some of these consumer tech companies where they're basically trying to invent new industries or new ways of selling, and people give them a little bit more leash when it comes to figuring the whole monetization side of things Uh, out. All right, Alex. So given that answer, last question. Do you think that this will be a trend where companies get far down the road with their IPO and then sell, or is this a one-off? I think that uh, the selling bit will become more of a trend. Uh, again, this far down toward listing day, I think that this is going to be unique. A month out from listing, maybe. The day before, I, I don't know if we will see that uh, occur again and again. Bloomberg IPO reporter Alex Barinka joining us from San Francisco. Alex, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. That's it for this week's edition of Deal of the Week. Hope you enjoyed that. Remember, you can always listen to our podcasts on iTunes or on Bloomberg.com or on SoundCloud or any app you use to listen to podcasts. And please rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Also, follow me on Twitter at Sherman4949. Alex, where can people find you on Twitter? At Alex Barinka, A-L-E-X-B-A-R-I-N-K-A. And if you have any ideas uh, for topics or guests for the show, please email me, asherman6 at Bloomberg.net. See you next week. Mm -hmm.